welcome back to the Starting Five Podcast on SB Nation Greasy Pair Blues. I am your boy, the one P Shark. I'm still at underscore Scott on Twitter as usual. I'm also dead grizzly on today's podcast for anybody that's still bumping that future. I never liked you, Alan. I'm that grizzly today. <laughs> it's sunny and bright in Memphis, but it's cold and rainy on Dillerbrooks Island. This your guy, Trevor. What's good, everybody? Yeah, buddy, you definitely don't need no sunscreen over there in Dylan Brooks Island, brother. Uh, but it's really shitty checking in. The big fella's not here, man, so I'm back out to Cap. Cap, what you got for him? Hey, we're going to hold off on the Dylan Brooks talk, I'll tell you that. We're going to save it for a second because we just had some news that dropped about our star player in John Morant. Uh, it's official. He does have a bone bruise in his knee, which I am grateful that it's not more. I thought, you know, that was hidden, hiding news. You just, you never know. Uh, ACL, anything he out for a whole year, but with that, they know he'll be back to start next season. He's probably out the rest of the playoffs, though. Uh, they has to play him. I just want to know what y'all thoughts first. What what are y'all thoughts about the play with Jordan Poole? And two, uh, how y'all feel just about the Grizzlies in general without Ja moving forward in the playoffs? Um, the play itself with Jordan Poole, I guess I might be in the minority of, on this one. Um, but I, I don't believe there was a dirty play. I, I mean, from the looks of it, from the angles that I saw, it just looked like two, you know, he went for the ball the the, the um, right before, I guess he reached for his knee or anything like that. And honestly, I've seen times and instances where, you know, a, a player's knee gets swiped or something like that by hand or by basketball or whatever the case may be. And you don't see that. So, I mean, you know, so, sorry Grizzlies fans, but I don't honestly believe that it was a dirty play. I just think that it was a free accident, you know, regular play on the basketball and, you know, job, you know, he just got hurt and things like that. So I, I, it's unfortunate. I mean, because, you know, this is, you know, this playoff series means so much to the city, right? Uh, it means so much to the city in terms of like, this is, you know, this is talk about, you know, them making it to like the Western Conference finals. This is talk about this team making it to the finals. And so we all thought that was with the assumption of a healthy roster or a healthy team. And so that, and that was going to be led by John Morant. So to see that he's gotten hurt, um, in a series where it's been really a good like series, like back and forth, like there's, you know, there's a the, the would have could have should have or like, you know, the, the Grizzlies could have swept them by now. The Warriors could have swept them by now or Golden State could be up 3-1. Well, technically, you know, the Grizzlies could be up 3-1 too. I'm not a big fan of, you know, talks like that. But again, in a series where it's this is this close, it's this competitive and like all four of the games have come down to like like a possession or two or three or something like that. So to see that he won't be able to finish the, the series, he won't be able to finish the playoffs. Um, it's unfortunate. It, it, it kind of sucks. You know, we Grizzlies fans have been out there like crazy at the forum, um, watch parties here and there. Like we've all like, you know, really like become really, really big fans of, of this team. And so it, it sucks that he's gotten injured. Well, I will say this. You're not the only one in the minority that um, feels that the play wasn't dirty because after a while, after looking at it, um, I would definitely have to agree as well. Um, the injury actually occurred on the first bump on the first scramble, uh, for the ball. I don't think the initial grab, uh, that everyone's alluded to by Jordan Poole was the play that actually, actually injured him because he didn't grab enough of Jaws knee to actually force a possible injury there. I think the injury occurred on their first bump when they were both scrambling for the ball, um, it sucks that he's uh, going to be out and won't be able to play for the remainder of the playoffs, but um, I'm thankful it's nothing serious. Um, it's just a bone bruise. It's going to take the offseason to heal up. He'll be back in time for training camp, be back ready to go next season. 
Um, as far as the Grizzlies go, um, without them, um, the record reflected in the regular season and game four shown this reflection as well. The Grizzlies played just well. Um, they had prime position to win that game. We'll get into it a little bit later when we go into Dylan Brooks and Taylor Jenkins. Um, but going forward, the Grizzlies are going to need a, a legit second option, a, a legit bucket getter, like somebody else that when things slow down as they do in the playoffs, who's that guy? You, who's that second guy you can throw the ball to and say, hey, go get a bucket? Um, but again, it's unfortunate that he won't be able to finish the playoffs, and uh, we'll see how things transpire on tomorrow. All right. So, Ja going down, again, I agree with the consensus on here. It was not a dirty play. Um, if you don't want freak injuries to happen, you almost need to go to, like, golf or tennis where people don't actually touch you um, during a match or something like that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to come at you. If I did, I apologize, younger brother. But uh, what I'm saying is it's a contact sport, so contact is going to happen. Um, however... Um, as Brother Trevor has also alluded to, this team statistically plays very well without Ja, um, which I think also hindered him uh, when it comes to MVP type of conversations, along with the amount of games that he missed. Um, I saw a team that was ready to fight in game four um, for their lives, and I feel like they always kind of took that persona with them every time that they stepped on the court without Ja. I almost even think it's like we got to win this one for Ja. So honestly, him being out, I think, may start to elevate all the other players around. Um, I heard the second scoring option, and we might need a first scoring option um, before we even get to a second one uh, with Ja being out. Um, but I, I look forward to him actually being out because, again, I think this elevates the others' games. Um, and, of course, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But I'm still here. I'm still saying Grizz in seven. And I'm still going to ride with him until the wheels fall off. Salute to you, my guy. Salute to I'm you. About to I need that type of positivity in my life. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> we'll get to predictions a little later. But uh, my thoughts, I kind of really on the same boat as y'all. I, I'm, I got tired of each game. Like, after game one, talk is about Draymond and the flagrant two, which I don't think that was intent as well. But, hey, it happened. Then the Brooks, after game two, hit – the hit on Gary Payton, and I think uh, since we last recorded, that's happened since then. I don't think intent – we can't measure anybody's intent, but same thing, I don't think it was intent. It was a dumb play. I don't think he intended to hurt him. Uh, it happened. Okay. Game three, same thing. Jordan Poole didn't intend to – I don't think he had any uh, malicious intent to, like, pull Josh knee and hurt him. It happened. Let's move forward. Um, I, I just got tired of the series. I'm really getting tired – or got tired of the series just – to talk being around anything other than basketball after the first three games. At least after game four, we finally had something about basketball. And let's revert back to Dylan Brooks. Uh, as Trevor said, we need a number two. She just said number one. The problem right now is the number two guy, Desmond Bain, is hurt. And you can tell. My guy, the way he trying to walk and move and run, and I used to have lower back pains. I finally, over the last year or so, finally healed up, get some stretches and routines and everything to help it. I know that feeling, and I can only imagine how to play an NBA game with that injury. So um, it's tough. He's gutting it out. Shout out to Desmond Bain. But Dylan Brooks, boy, you had a hell of a week, my guy. Flagrant two, knocking out Gary Payton two, Gary Payton second in game two. 
suspended for game three. And that was three minutes into the game. And matter of fact, in game two, let me go about. He got a steal, finally had a positive play, missed the layup, came back down, missed the three, then had to foul like all in a span of like 30 or 45 seconds. Then you get suspended for game three. Then game four, whew, shall I go from what happened in game four? Five and 19, the terrible step back, uh, which at first I thought it was like they were the shot clock was running down. Because I know what Trevor always talked about, they always get the book, get in the ball like five seconds ago. It was eight seconds left on that shot clock when you pulled that step back. <laughs> what are y'all thoughts? You know, it's been a while since we got on Dylan Brooks. We the bubble two years ago, we was on him. We kind of let it slide the last couple of years. Like, you no, know, that's him being him. He has the positivity on this side. He did in this game because game three, we uh gave up 142 points with that. So he did make an impact on defense. But what are y'all thoughts about? We gotta him? make it plain. No cheese. What y'all got? What y'all got for my guy or for Trevor's guy, Dylan Brooks? Yeah, tough week. I mean, you just went on a two, three minute talk about how bad his week was, and you didn't mention anything positive. And the only thing positive that he's done this week is play good defense on Steph Curry. And, that, and, and we it. only and this only Tuesday. That's and it's just week? it's just Tuesday, brother. It ain't we didn't even made it half the week. We ain't even made it to Wine Wednesday yet. Oh, how um, But nonetheless, um, I think I'm just like. I'm really disappointed in like his his actions and his play. You talk about you know the the, the play um, on 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 Gary Payton or whatever, and it's just like you know I get it. I don't think there were like his his intentions weren't there to hurt him, but I just feel like as a, a player that's been on this team for several years, um, you're probably one of the most quote unquote veteran guys on the team. Don't put yourself in those type of predicaments. And so I think I, I, you become frustrated with that. You become frustrated with um, now, you know, that because you you have to understand your importance to the team. And the defense he's played on Steph Curry has been top notch for the most part. And then so you make that play, you're out the next game, and then you step into the, the, the game on Monday and you decide to take – I don't know, 16, 17 jumpers that were not in the rhythm of the offense at all. I mean, most of these shots were just you just deciding I'm that guy and I'm going to put these up regardless. And now I, I, I get it because, you know, Desmond Bain is hurt. Who else is going to take those shots? I get it from that standpoint. But if you're going to go 5 of 19, if you're going to go 4 of 20, let those be within the rhythm of the offense. And they, and they weren't. Like, I think I counted – one jumper, and it was late in the fourth quarter of a shot that was in rhythm. And Sharky, that's the shot that went in. That's the shot that went in. And I'm just like, bro, like you, you have to really, you have to understand what you're doing. And really, I'm not even gonna just put the blame in history because you know Cal Anderson went one of five, one of six from the free throw line. So we ain't gonna, we're not gonna gloss that over. But you know, Jerry Jackson Jr. also. I was about jumper. to tell you now. <laughs> he also shot a jumper with, you know, I think they were down two, and you three. didn't need to shoot, you didn't need to take the three. And I'm just like, y'all, what are we doing? So it's 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 that it's the coaching staff. You gotta, you know, you gotta come to the forefront too. You gotta put your arms around Jerry Jackson, you gotta Bingo. put your arms around Dylan Brooks and say, Hey, this ain't working. Because I swear, I counted like four or five possessions in a row for Dylan Brooks. There were either a really bad shot or a turnover. So I, I, again, and a really bad shot. Flip side of the coin is he plays some really good defense. He plays some really good defense. But at some point, when the object of the game is to score, 
And Dylan Brooks is doing the, the complete opposite of that. As a coaching staff, as players, you have to hold him accountable and you got to call him out. And so I'm sorry I just went on their rant, but damn, I had, I, I, this is the only place that I can bend and say this. So I had to let all that out. I'm sorry. Before Trevor go, let me show you some stats. Dylan Brooks is shooting 9 for 44 from the field in, in this series and 3 for 21 from 3. You, you got to put somebody else in. I don't care who it is. Now, granted, DeAnthony Melton, he hadn't And that's with him sitting out a whole two games, low-key. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, there was two games. And he that's took like, three shots in that game, too, in three minutes. <laughs> Jesus. Just as easy as you have those stats, Sharky, I'm pretty sure the coaching staff has that. And for them to continue to roll him out there, I mean, hey, I was, I was okay with him not even touching the ball offensively. Just the other four people can touch it. Don't let that man touch it. I was right. okay with that. But let, me, right, let my wife tell that, bro. Every offensive position in four court, I'm on point TV, like, bro, do not pass on the ball. I was like, okay, Steph guarded Bane. Dang, Jordan Poole guarded Dylan. Shoot. No, don't pass on the Do not give him the ball. I don't care if Jordan Poole guarded him, man. Like, bro, we, we can't pass on the ball. All right, Trail. I was trying to think of a perfect metaphor to describe Dylan Brooks here, but I th- and I think I came up with it. Uh, we we're all happy married, uh, happily married men, and we've all played basketball in the wreck before. Um, you 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 know when you're in the wreck and you see that one fine girl walking the uh gym, and just all of a sudden you're starting to do too much outside of what you normally do when she wasn't there. That was Dylan Brooks in game four. <laughs> you, don't be flipping me off, Scott. I'm just telling the truth. You know I'm telling the truth here, but that was Dylan Brooks in game four. Um, I, as the resident Dylan Brooks fan, I really have nothing to really say positive about this. This was completely inexcusable. I'm not going to even talk about game three because that was – I'm just going to let – he wasn't even in game three. I'm not going to talk about game two, excuse me. I'm just gonna go straight to game four. Yeah, he played he's played exceptionally well on the defensive side of the ball. And he's not only had a terrible series, he's had a terrible playoffs as a whole. He's only averaging 13, just a little uh, short of 14 points a game, and that's sliced in half from last season's numbers when he was averaging nearly 26 a game, although it was only a first round series against Utah, but that is a like a tremendous drop off. Uh, from last season till now. Um, four turnovers for Dylan Brooks in game four, and three of those were in the fourth quarter. Three of those four turnovers were in the fourth quarter. Completely inexcusable there. It's like I even tweeted about this. I, I had to take the untouchable tag off of him because, again, that, that's just completely inexcusable. Um, but I've always said this about Dylan Brooks. When he has to move up, on the scoring depth chart, it can be really good. It can be good, but most of the time it is really, really bad. And we got a prime example of that in game, in game four. Granted, that's what Bain was is, is hobbled up. Granted, DeAnthony Melton, I can't the last time DeAnthony Melton made a shot, I think we were all at the FedEx Forum for the next game. So <laughs> call him out. Call him out because that's the last time I remember him making a jump or two. Yeah, and that was a very long. But time on the sidelines, laughing and joking. Yep, I saw that. My, yeah, my wife saw looked. She was like, "Why he smiling?" And shout out to Isaac because me and Isaac was thinking the same thing on that last heave to end the game. For we was like, "Watch this shot go in for Dylan." And lo and behold, 
that John went in as the bruh. ultimate troll. <laughs> my wife said the same thing. <laughs> she was like, bro, what's the I'm, I'm sitting here, my like wife is going to bed. I'm sitting here looking. I was like, watch this shot for Dylan go in. And lo and behold, that's exactly what ended up happening. Top five troll um, of my life. Seriously, top five. I've, it I've, has to be. It too has many times to in my life. I've been trolled that, that hard in my life. That was it it has to be. Um, But at some point, and we'll get to this later, and I'll say my off-season uh, plans for Dylan when we do our off-season uh, wrap-up. At some point, the culture staff is going to have to reel this in, in in some shape or form. Um, Can the Grizzlies still win with Dylan? Yes. I think Dylan is a strong fourth option, fringe third option, if he's playing within the rhythm of the offense. But when he has to do anything more, anything outside or anything above a third option – that's grounds for disaster. And here we are. I mean, like I said, it's a rainy day at Dylan Brooks Island, but it is what it is, man. So, yeah, you can leave your sunscreen alone uh, if you're visiting Dylan Brooks Island. I can tell you that right now. Um, and just go and get your uh, brick and mortar together and build your houses. Um, what I will say is this is about Dylan Brooks. So I, I want to, the emphasis is Dylan Brooks here on this time. And I did not and have not seen the elite, so to speak, defense of Dylan Brooks even last night. I wouldn't say it was at the elite level. Um, I watched as he sagged and had that extra half a second or two behind trailing the poetry in motion that is the Golden State Warrior offense. Uh, we all know the moment you look a different way or the moment you're not really set to play defense because you want to argue with the refs because you felt like you were fouled when it was a bad shot or play by you, that is one second alone with Steph Curry, one second alone with Klay Thompson being open, Jordan Poole, the list goes on, Andrew Wiggins. Now, my name here today is A.D. Two to 76. 82 to 76 was the last time that we had the lead and Dylan Brooks had the ball in his hand. And I don't know if you guys quite remember what happened from here, but there was a turnover by who? Dylan Brooks. And then the Warriors were on a 5-0 run where they scored two points off a layup that no one contested that Dylan Brooks was late to get back on. And then as they went back down the floor, again, another bad offensive possession. The Warriors come back, stop at three. It's 82-81. And the Warriors are the, are the one team. I call them, I'm going to call start home in the 10-2. The Warriors are a team that even if they're down 10, they feel like they're up two. And, like, legitimately, even though they were down six at that time, it felt like they were actually up six, so to speak. And so that's where Dylan really lost the game for us. Um now, there were some other plays as well uh, with Jerome and going across the lane. And we'll talk about the three-pointer later on when he was already 0 for 6 um, with that three-point lane um, and thought that taking it two light years behind the three-point line and getting blocked by a six-foot-five power forward at seven feet was acceptable. But I digress. Back to Dylan Brooks. Um, I'm sorry. Dylan Brooks, I thought I regard you as the second best player on the Grizzlies team. And I've you have come with 
in exchange policy, I hope, um, to get you up out of there um, because I, I don't believe in what I've seen. And the problem is, as Trevor was alluding to, when you hit one shot, doesn't mean that you need to shoot another four or five, especially if, they're, if you're not open. Um, and a bad shot is a turnover, by the way. And I didn't see him making for making up for his bad lack of offense on defense. I did not see that as much as I normally would. I saw other players stepping up, um, but not really Dylan. Dylan really, his emotions were like down and out. I, I didn't really see him being his usual charismatic self, so to speak. Um, but Dylan Brooks does need to own a lot of this loss. Um, I, I heard Kyle Anderson's name. Um, I know we'll talk about the coaching staff. And, again, another player that I need to put on that block is none other than Jerome and with his triple L's. But I'll let Cap speak now about Dylan. Before before Cap goes, two things real quick. You would think that after Dylan Brooks airballed the first shot of the game, you would think at some at, after that point that he would probably just need to settle down and get himself settled in the, in, in the game. That wasn't the case. When you come into the arena, and then secondly, when you come into the arena as public enemy number one and you're getting booed and throughout the game they stop booing you, you're not doing something right for your team. That's just as simple as that. And then for that, I'll throw the behind the back to Cap. Man, it's a tough saying, man. It's a tough saying. <laughs> dealing, 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 man. Y'all spoke a lot. Y'all spoke a lot. Uh, ain't really much more to say, man. Hey. His defense definitely did help. I mean, they gave up 142 in the game he missed. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's crazy to think, like, that's how important he is to the team. It's kind of like we got the most, and it's all the city of Memphis. I said that I used to compare it, well, I did compare Jaron Jackson to DeAndre Williams with the Memphis Tigers. They're so important because they got to be on the floor, but they never on the floor. Dylan Brooks is so important, but he do the dumbest stuff. Yeah, it's like he gonna keep you in it, but then he losing in like he did yesterday. If John Moran is not there, uh, if Coach Jenkins, who we about to get to in a second, who I put most of the blame on, doesn't make adjustments and or keep the team, you know, like scouting. You mentioned the grooming last night. They drove, they were killing them going inside the whole time, the whole fourth quarter. All of a sudden, the ball stops and Dylan Brooks the rest of the fourth quarter. That's coaching, bro. Like <laughs> we're gonna get to it in a second. But Dylan, he did have eight assists. Well, for what it's worth, uh. But huh, Rocky, don't stop trying to enter the troll top five on this show. Oh no, I'm not about to troll. <laughs> I just, 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 I want to speak that because you know there are some people that's gonna take up for him. So I'm, I just wanted to mention it. He did have aces, but bro, that was terrible. And it's just, it's just one of those deflating things where going to game five, it's just like man, I, we know Jai's out now. Desmond Bain being hurt. We know the picking order had to be Jai, Bain, Jaron, then Dylan. Actually, Jaron did take the same amount of shots as Dylan, but his shots were in the rhythm of the offense. I think they, I think Jaron shot six and nineteen, but most of his shots were good. He finally drove to the drove to the basket. Well, we only only thing we ever ask him, <laughs> only thing we ever ask him consistently. That left uh, hand was nice. I give you that. Right, he finally did what we asked him to do. Right, uh, that's all we ever ask of Jaron. Like just play like he played last night. If you're gonna miss the shots, do it. Being more aggressive, going to the hole. Even his threes, he missed. He was open for most of them. And one like. Everybody shot bad yesterday. Um, but that last three, that was terrible. But it didn't it didn't have anything or anything doing the DL game. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is, that is and, and let me let me 
be clear on my end because I'm on the same side as Skyler here on this point. I'm not upset that Dylan shot five of 19. I'm upset that out of the 19 shots that he took, 16 of those were terrible shots. That's what I'm upset with. Like, he shot five of 19, and all of these were in the floor on the offense. You just chalk it up and say, okay, players just have a bad game. You just hope he be, he, he's better the next go around. But I, it was not that many shots <laughs> that Dylan took. It was within the rhythm of the offense. And I think that was more upsetting to me more than the actual stat line of him shooting 5 of 19. So, again, he's had a terrible playoffs as a whole, yep. not just this series. Yep. Go check the stats. It's, it, it's right there. Exactly. And to your point, Trevor, that's really what everybody's upset about. Because like I just said, Jaron shot pretty much the same thing, but he missed some easy ones, right? It's not, okay, cool. You took good shots. Uh, Chris Randall said it best uh, today. He was like, man, Dylan, if you're going to take all them shots, if, I have no problem with it. If you make it, make them. Either make them or take less. <laughs> Simple as that. Because uh, you can't have the most of the field goal, second most field goal attempts on the team and the least efficiency numbers. Like, you just, it's... You can't do that consistently. So, <laughs> exactly. And we've seen those shots go in again just last exactly. year in the playoffs. Bro was averaging 26. So, yep. it's not like he can't make those shots. It's just like, yo, you're at your best when you're playing within the rhythm of the offense. It's just that simple. Exactly. So, moving forward from Dylan to Mr. Coach Taylor Jenkins. Uh, he did lose out in coach of the year uh, to Monty Williams, which most of us did predict um Monty probably should have won last year, so it's pretty much a two-year award. So really had no problems there. Um then just tell you like I said, I put most of the blame on him. What Dylan does is by product of coaching. Like you the coach has to some point say, This is the offense, make sure y'all run it. If not, you sit them down, call a timeout, go, challenge the damn calls, man. Dog. <laughs> Let's not forget. Bro, I forget the the, the tap. That even the one um in the third quarter when Kyle Anderson took a charge and they called it a block and he let that one. That was a three point play. That changed momentum, right? Momentum. Was yeah, that was that was in the second quarter, and I believe the Grizzlies had like a pretty decent lead. I think of about mm-hmm. seven or eight. I mean, even though to Shidi's point, if you're up seven yeah, or eight against the Warriors, like the Warriors being up four or five, but. If you, challenge, I mean, if you yeah. challenge that and get that call, that changes the whole dynamic of the game. Because mm-hmm. so. that was an and one. So and they called and one for Andrew Wiggins, which he wasn't in the act of shooting. And then the one they didn't call for Jaren on that and one, but that's the whole different story. I now. mean, all he did was spin and finish, and that's blew the whistle. Like, yeah. that's right. not a continuation? <laughs> exactly. Don't find me 20K, by the way, refs. I ain't got it. <laughs> well, like I need to hire two. When, when's two gonna come on? Because he said he's supposed to be training to be a ref, so we need to figure out when he starts. Hey, he don't want the ref life, man. I tell you now, it ain't for, it ain't for the, uh, ain't for the faint of heart. Yeah, <laughs> but what are y'all thoughts about Coach Jenkins? Um, I would say this series in particular. What are y'all thoughts about his coaching? Even the Steve Adams thing, not playing him game three. Starting him game four, you saw the impact he made. What what are y'all thoughts about Taylor Jenkins and just his coaching moves that he's made this uh, series? When it goes to this series, I think he's been very, very questionable with 
some of the moves that he's made, some of the lineup changes that he's made here or there. Um, some of those targets you mentioned, some of those plays, you just like, you just know you, you, you have to challenge it. Like <laughs> you have to challenge it. And so he's had some of those type of moments, but you know, flip side of the coin. So, you know, I won't sit here and badge him. He actually did a really, really great job of like, you know, of what he got out of the team in the regular season. And if you want to take it a step further, they the Grizzlies with the help of Taylor Jenkins, you know they they beat the Timberwolves in which we we've, we've talked about already. The Timberwolves were really the better team in that series, and so he's made some he's made some adjustments. He's you know he, he's I won't say he's hit and miss, but you can see there are times and moments where you know he looks like a potential coach of the year. He is a coach of the year type of coach. And there, you know, and there are moments here and there where you're just like, okay, that's, you know, that's you, maybe, maybe it's lack of experience. Maybe it's, you know, just the lack of, you know, not knowing what to do in that particular moment. Um, but I think overall, a really good coach. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash him. He made some questionable in this series. Yes. And has he cost us some games? Yes. But for the most part, looking holistically and throughout the regular season and the first round of the series, he's done a damn good job. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like the rest of this podcast and the rest of Grizz uh intellectuals out here. Um this regular season as far as regular troops, uh depending on whatever the circumstances may be. Uh yes, he has made some questionable calls, especially in game four. Um and I think that comes be that comes more so from of holding on a little bit too long to what may have previously worked. It's the one with does work. It's not much for you to really think, to overthink. It's like Stephen Adams being out on the floor starting the game for you makes a difference when you're getting killed on on the glass the first couple of games. Granted, he has done well. He done well in the last series and he played well in game two. There's no reason you should still continue to not ride it out. The fact that even Allen even closed the game um, in game four was mind-boggling to me. Granted, we're not in that situation without Kyle. Kyle Anderson played a hell of a game. Of course, I'm giving him his credit where it was due, but I'm just going to be honest, he should not have been out there for the rest of the game. Really, Dylan shouldn't have been out there, but that's a whole different story. Um, But I think that comes, like you said, like Skylar mentioned, that comes more so with experience. We, of course, we're, we're getting here. Uh, I think going forward, he's learning. Like when you're in, you need to go. And last thing of that, Jaron, Jaron was able to get to the rim, score, and then on the last was on the fourth ball ends up in Dylan Brooks' hands. As a coach, you got to reel that in, and you got to continue to go with what works. And you're able to draw a fifth foul on Draymond. Like at that point, I'm attacking Draymond. I'm trying to get him game. And I think that's again, that's gonna come with experience with experience for Taylor Jenkins. So he is most you can see some of the mistakes that he made as far as making adjustments or lack thereof that can keep him out of actually becoming one. But I'm not one of these folks calling for his job, and I'm not gonna put too much of the blame on him. But He's not, you know, absolved from the blame, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, Coach Jenkins um, is. I agree. 
um, with Sharky's point, is the root of a lot of the blame for why this series is the way it is, let alone game four. Um, and it is line, like, we talked about this at the beginning of before the playoffs started, like what lines are going to work, what are not going to work. Um, and then we've also said what we think would work, you know, against this Warriors team. Um, one, the thing about challenges is you don't get any more after the game is over. Um, so why not use them? Like, what, what do you have to lose besides a timeout um, and momentum, right, without using it? So, Which he didn't use that timeout. Exactly. Which led to a terrible three-point attempt by Jerry Jackson Jr. See how it's all domino effect? <laughs> so why not, right? Um, and so, and to point, I mean, we talked about, you know, going into the paint with uh, – run the offense to the paint, right? Um, we did not have a good shooting night from three-point line. Matter of fact, I don't recall a good three-point shooting game besides the game that we won and maybe game one where we were hovering at a decent percentage for the game. Um, game three, we, we shot well from three, but... Game three, game we started game. out like, <laughs> like the yeah. Warriors. Both <laughs> this, then, then they, then, you know... Then, yeah, we got the one for just points. came out. It was like, oh, no, nah, you know, basketball don't work like that. <laughs> right. Actually, uh, we actually... Now, I think we shot well start game three, but we actually outshot Golden State in games one and two. Yeah. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for y'all's critiques too. That was right. Um, the thing about this game that what I've noticed from this series alone is Andrew Wiggins' on ball defense, um, and how underrated I see that as. And I'll be honest, and I was with Tuke actually last night watching this entire game. Shout out to Tuke, I uh, was not on today, but um, we literally sat there and watched the entire game, and I have been tired as hell. Uh, ever since then, because y'all know I go to sleep around 8, 8, 10. Um, but what I said to two was, one, it's the first one to 100 is going to win the game. He's like, why not 90? Grizzlies are going to get the 90. I said, that's the problem. Grizzlies may get there quicker, but the endurance of the Grizzlies is always there. Um, on top of that, going back to Andrew Wiggins and his defense on ball, noticing how good his defense is, his troubling ties, to be honest, especially as he crosses half court. And Draymond was doing what he needed to do as well defensively um, and showed up towards the end. So as a coach, as a coach, you find a way to get those two defenders on one side of the court and keep them there because they're playing a man defense. They weren't in the zone towards the end of the game. So if there is a way to put whoever's Draymond's guarding, whoever Andrew Wiggins is guarding to the left-hand side of the court, and then you run some type of offense to the right-hand side of the court to give you the better option, I'd rather you go and challenge Jordan Poole a Clay Thompson, a Steph Curry, even though he was been doing his thing, but they weren't playing as well on ball as what you saw from Wiggins and Draymond. Granted, Steph Curry's been doing his thing against Bama. Bane is also hurt that we've already alluded to. Um, and we know Bane is a shooter. And anytime something is wrong in your shooting motion, it's over with. Um, and your back is a very big support system of such. So to me, seeing that in the last, and that was really the last four and a half minutes, Move them guys over and find the offense that way. Let Triple J get down to the block from there. Get Draymond out of the paint. Like, there's so many other moves he could have made, but I don't see him calling a timeout to get better at all. I don't see him. We played a little bit better in the third quarter of this quarter, but historically, Golden State in third quarters are it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so he improved a little bit, but I think we might still been outscored in the third quarter last game. Um, but I got to check the stats on that one. But we have to find a way to stop how well they're doing in the third quarter. And also, if Jaws out, and we know Andrew Wiggins is literally going to defend the ball handler, he is literally looking to defend him. How do we have an offense that keeps them away um, and gives us maybe a three-on-three instead of trying to do five-on-five basketball? Um, in the end of time. And then, again, always about the lineups. Steven Adams looked gassed. I don't know how. I, I would not be able to play a, a great game of basketball after COVID. Uh, I have no idea how he's doing it. But you can tell when he was getting out of the game how, how tired he was. So how does he strengthen up his rotation better? Because we do need Steven Adams. There's no way. That is a, that is a center. That is a pass-first center that's looking for others to score, open up shooting, and do the dirty work. And if he's when he's not in the game, it typically shows, especially in game three, when we're putting up 140 plus um, on us and not guaranteeing the rebounds. But that's all I have to say about coaching for that game. Um, but he's also facing a better coach, a three-time champion head coach um, right now, and it is showing. Last series, like I said before, it wasn't that he really outcoached the Timberwolves coach. It's just that any one of us could have been the Timberwolves coach and done just as well. Um, and so I didn't really feel like it was a coaching battle per se. It was, they won 4-2. But now he's seeing the pedigree of what it takes to be a champion. And we're not ready to excel at that level if our coach is not ready to take us to that level. Yep, yep. Um, and let me just uh, get this right. I haven't seen it much this year, but I ain't no way saying uh, Taylor Jenkins need to be fired or anything. I love Taylor Jenkins. Uh, same thing. He's young, just like the team. I think he's in his mid thirties. He's first, you know, first time head coach. Uh, this is first time in the moment too, along with the with the team. So he's just as inexperienced as they are. So hypothetically, the goal is for them to grow together. Uh, I did mention I talked about this uh, with Trevor before we got on the podcast today. This series kind of reminds me of. And I hope he's not Brett Brown, uh, but. It reminds me of Philadelphia's first playoff run with Embiid and Simmons when they got past the first. I forgot who they beat in the first round. They got to the second round. They lost to Boston in five games. But just like how this series, we said the Grizzlies could easily have been on 3 1. Pretty much they lost games one and four due to inexperience in the end. Philadelphia like lost all four games in that five game series at the end of the game due to inexperience. It was like, and they did like dumb plays. It was dumb. They did dumb stuff, kind of like with the Grizzlies, like kind of just like, just tell who is the who is the more experienced team, who is the better coach. Uh, which uh, hey, I forget, I forget. Uh, Brad Stevens coaching in Boston at the time, like you can just tell who the better coach was in this series. So that's kind of what's going on now. Uh, I feel like it's with the Grizzlies, so we knew growing pains were going to happen. Um, same thing for this man, Terry Jenkins is just gonna have to grow from it. Um, I had no way just down about him, but I am admitting, have to say, like, he has to. He's going to have to get better in these situations. But just like him, just like the team, it's all going to have to happen. So I have no uh, worries about anything in the future. Uh, but going to game five, uh, we just have to see what adjustments he make. One thing I do say that he definitely has to improve upon that just comes off the top of my mind, game to game. He's a good game to game adjuster. What I mean by that is when in between games, he's good adjusting for the next game. His in-game adjustments need to get a little bit better. 
he never it, it seems like he just let the wherever happens in the game goes, then he adjusts afterward instead of trying to adjust in game. Uh so that's one thing for specifically that I know that I just see that I think he has capability. Yeah, it's just what I said earlier. Like when something's going good for him in game, he sticks with it a little bit too little bit longer than he should have. And oftentimes that ends up costing him. So but again, we're confident he'll get there. Right. And let's move forward. Game five. Ain't nothing promised after that game. <laughs> uh, you know, we ain't recording again to this week, but what's your prediction for game five? And what's your updated? If anybody picked Grizzlies in six, that means you got to update your uh, pick, <laughs> your uh, series pick. So what's your adjusted series pick? And what's your game five prediction? Because I'm going to the game tomorrow. Because the Grizzlies are undefeated when I pull up to the games, you can book me. You can write it down wherever you need to write it. Grizzlies are winning tomorrow. Simple as that. I'm not sure why people are acting like this series is over with. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I still think the Grizzlies have a chance. Um, again, what I don't want people to underestimate is the FedEx form is a is a true threat to in my opinion to the opposing team. I don't care what other people say because it's loud in there. It's loud in there. It's intimidating, and I think you know we'll see a resemblance of what we saw um, in Game Four. But I think because the crowd will help them, um, I think you know there will be some adjustments to what you guys just said about Taylor Jenkins that will actually you know help them and prevail them to win Game Five. So uh, if I can update my um, my prediction, I said Warriors in seven, so I'm going Warriors in six. I've been torn about this all night when I've uh, all ever since last night thinking about this. Um, Someone's telling me the, the Warriors are going to wrap this up tomorrow. Um, but I think being in FedEx form is going to propel the Grizzlies. So I have the Grizzlies taking game five. And I said it before, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going Grizzlies in seven. I think if this goes to game six, the pressure is going to be on Golden State to close it out. Memphis is going to come out and play loose. And I will bet on the loose Memphis team against practically anybody. And we saw what we were able to do in game four. So, Honestly, if this gets to game six and Memphis, if this gets to game six, it's good. It's coming back to Memphis for game seven. The Warriors are going to have to duplicate what they get in game game three, which I don't think will be the case. So I, I said, I, I said Grizz and seven. I strive to be like you and she. <laughs> I said Grizz and seven. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not sure where you get it from, but hey, go for it. Stranger things have happened. We've seen 3-1 leads blown all the time. The Warriors are one of the teams that have done it. If Memphis wins game five, which I think they will, the pressure will be on Golden State to close it out in Chase Arena, and I think Memphis will come out playing super loose and possibly steal that one and get it back to Memphis for game seven. You make that, uh, you know, off of a story, that uh, Strange Things song on that, uh, I forgot what scene it was. I just watched <laughs> <laughs> it. was like in the movie. It was uh, doing a witty buzz thing. That it was a thing called Strange. It was a song called Strange Things. And you just made me think about that when you said Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, uh, the, uh oh, Dad D. Uh, listen, the Grizzlies have nothing to lose. Warriors are now into what's called championship mode and their championship or die. So to me, I believe that it is all because Draymond was going to talk about this is a championship team and that they're going to go to championship. So that's where their mind is at. But again, the Grizzlies have absolutely nothing to lose. So I need nothing. Uh-oh was right. I need nothing but business being handled for game five. And I need the Grizzlies to win game five. And I will. I will not, ladies and gentlemen, concede on what I said. Grizzlies in seven. By dog, Grizzlies in seven. Because guess what? No one believed that they would have a winning percentage the way they did. I know it was regular season. So was James Harden, right? I get that. No, no, no. Don't go down that rabbit hole. But again, give me game five, which means sets me up all the way to Grizz in seven without job. Let's make it happen. And maybe without Dylan Brooks. Lord, I can't imagine a fair day for him in a game seven scenario like that. Boy, that's going to be. Go ahead. Yeah, man, I like I like I like y'all spunk. <laughs> I, I like bring you back home. Bring you back home. <laughs> I like it. Um, last night I was thinking, you know, it's probably worse if I had Jai don't return. And we found out the news today: the Giant returning. And I am the person whose record season is different from playoffs. They played hard last night, but I always feel like Gold State was gonna fool the off some way somehow. The experience kicks in, but Gold State is the type of team they have long three one lead before. For what it's worth, they are the type of team that like to play with their food. They like they are the type of team that don't like to just go ahead and deliver the knockout blow, which is part of the reason they blew that three one lead, along with Draymond against spending all other stuff. But they they like you know they like to play with their food a little bit. So give me the graces, especially when Skyler said he was gonna be at the game, and I know they undefeated when he been there. I, I don't I can't think of a loss they had in any game he's been in this year regular season or playoffs. Um, now I think about it. So yeah, give me the graces to uh, take it back. To San Fran for game six. And then July Skyler, we both had Warriors in seven. I would adjust my prediction to Warriors in six in that regard because I that's when I think they'll just go ahead and go ahead putting find a nail in the coffin. But uh yeah, that's my prediction. Hopefully, please prove me wrong, Chris. I'd love to come back to this record to this recording for game seven next Monday. We come back next Tuesday and we are for talking about uh Western Conference Finals against either Dallas or Phoenix at this point with that 2-2 series going on over there. But, hey, strange things that happen, like Trevor said. Hopefully some strange things happen going forward for the rest of this series. So, give me Warriors and Grizzlies win game five, Warriors in six. But please prove me wrong, Grizzlies. Please prove me wrong. And that does it, man. This was a good episode. A uh, little lengthier than our normal, but it, – Everything that we said had to be said. <laughs> but remember to follow us at the starting five at number five MEM. Remember to follow Greasy Red Blues at SBN Greases. Yes, your boy is now right in a little bit. Y'all saw my game recap at the game three. Um, <laughs> trying to get in a little right chops a bit. So, yeah, check out SBN Greases, uh, greasyredblues.com for all the writing content, daily content every day. And listen to the other podcasts on Network 3D Podcast, Core 4 Podcast, GPB Live, and The Long View. And remember to follow me at the one underscore P Shark. At underscore Scalito on Twitter. I'm at the Yard of Trevor. You know what of is. Keep it moving. Dylan Brooks probably doesn't.
Oh, um, I'm at Big Money Skyler. If you need me for tickets, um, let me know. Clearly, I got it like that. Nah, it's really shitty though. <laughs> and follow our fifth member, the big man, the big, the good big man, the big fella. Tell Shakira, it's Tell Shakira. And y'all know Grizz Nation. Till next time, man. Go Grizz. Go Grizz.